today. If you have your Bibles, turn with me over to the book of Proverbs, the book of wisdom. We need some wisdom for this journey we're on. And uh, praise the Lord that He gives it to us and He'll direct your steps if we'll just listen to what He has to say. Um, for the next uh, month, we're going to talk about several of the names of God because they're related to our study of the attributes of God. And we've opened this word and heard him speak all year and tell us, hey, here's who I am. Here's what I'm like. And this is why you should believe in me. You should trust in me. And yet some might be overwhelmed by just the sheer vastness of who he is. I mean, there's none like him. And everything we've learned is just, he's still incomprehensible. He's just transcendent, so high and exalted. Praise God, though, he, he steps into our lives and makes himself known. But you say, how do you know him in a personal way if, if he's just this awesome as we've studied? Well, what God has done is not just revealed his attributes. He's spoken and revealed his name. He's introduced himself. In the pages of scripture, he's introduced himself time and again to the saints. He's revealed himself by different names. And so an enriching study for our faith is not just to study the attributes, but to come alongside it and also study the names of God. Because oftentimes when God is introducing himself with a particular name, he's also revealing something about his ability to do something, his attributes, what he's able to do in your life and my life. Can I just say, praise the Lord today, that name never changes. It's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. The Jesus they sang about that we celebrate as I just sat there and thought about where God has walked me through in, in my journey of faith. And he's the same. The same name to call on. And someone will say, well, that's right, Pastor Chris. We know Jesus, and isn't that all we need to know? We just need to know Jesus. Isn't that enough? He's the one who said, listen, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And that is true. It's true, in fact, as we learned earlier in the year in 1 Peter, uh, that God has given everything you and I need for life and godliness through the true knowledge of Jesus. Uh, if we learn who he is and what he's like, we can learn about the Father. But then why study the names? I mean, in Christ, in Jesus, the fullness of Godhead dwells. He's the image of the invisible God. He's the icon. He's the one we look at and we see. We don't create idols. We have the image of God. It's Jesus. We, we see him on the pages of Scripture. Well, even though Jesus is the name above all names, in the fullness of deity dwells in him in bodily form, those are all true. Why study the names of God? Why expose ourselves to the Old Testament faith and all those names? Well, it's, it's there. Jesus being the name above all names, it's not so much he's over the name Chris, the name Scott, He's not just over your name, over every name that's on. He's over all those names. He's the name above all names in the Bible because all of those names are wrapped up in him. But if I really want to know him, then it's a benefit to me to read about the names that I find in the Old Testament. How he introduced himself, how he made himself known. Because that's just going to give me a picture in more fullness in Christ. And they walk by faith, knowing that limited name, just knowing that amount of information. How much more do we have when we see the fullness in Christ Jesus? The sad thing is so many of us are satisfied. We just say, oh, I just know Jesus. That's it. I, I, I know him. He's my savior. He's my, you know, I, I, I prayed the prayer, the sinner's prayer, and, and I call on him every now and then. 
And you're not digging into God's word to allow God to speak to you and say, here's my name. Call on me. Here's what I'm able to do. It's my essence. It's, it's the justice, the righteousness, the love, the goodness, the, the faith that, that you can have trusting in the faithful one who's true. In all those attributes, God reveals himself, his essence in those names. He says, this is who I am and this is what I'm able to do. And in Proverbs, Solomon is going to highlight the name of the Lord. And so wise believers need to know the name of the Lord. And we need to know that because we discover God when we study his name, who he is. And what we'll find is he's a place of security. He, he's a place of safety. He's a, he's a place where you can get perspective on life and, and have, see things that are happening and, and gain understanding. And that's what Solomon wants us to realize. Because here's the danger. Sometimes we don't run to him when we should. When we are in the valley. Even when we're on the mountain. That we should run to him at all times. And, and we should be leading the next generation. Moms and dads, we should be influencing them. When they go through crisis at school. Or on the ball team. Or we go through crisis. We have an awesome opportunity to call on his name. And to lead them to call on his name. To learn to call on his name. Because he's the same name to every generation. Why wouldn't we do that? Now, oftentimes when we stand and read a, a proverb, usually we just read one proverb. Like we quoted one this week. We memorized it this week. It's a wonderful proverb to, to memorize. I want to show you how it's related to several proverbs together, though. Here in chapter 18. So if you have your Bible, turn with me to Proverbs 18. I'm going to actually read from verse 10 down through verse 12. And I'll show you why these things are all related. And then we just want to weave this wisdom into our life. So that we can run to him. For who he is and what he's able to do. And why we should put our faith in him. So stand with me and honor the word of the Lord. As we just read these three verses together this morning. The wise man writes, The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run to it and are safe. The rich man's wealth is his strong city. And like a high wall is in his own esteem. Before destruction, the heart of a man is haughty. Before honor is humility. And so, Lord, I pray that your spirit would fill our hearts this morning and that, God, you would give us understanding of your word. Show us who you are. Speak to us, living God. You, Jesus, your disciples said you have the words of life. This is the word for life right here that we need to apply today. And so give us faith and understanding and give us courage to believe and go forward in faith and see you work out your plan in each of our lives. We love you. We praise you and ask all this in Jesus' precious name. Amen and amen. You may be seated. This verse is the only verse in the book of Proverbs that mentions the phrase, the name of the Lord. The name of the Lord. What's in a name? I mean, we all have at least one name that someone gave us. Some of us go by our first name. Some of us go by our middle name. Children, we know when we're not being what we ought to be when we're naughty. Sometimes we get all the names, right, called out at the same time. In fact, none of us, did anybody choose your name? None of us chose our name, right? No, someone chose our name for us. They, 
We saw it on the birth certificate at some point later in life. Someone chose the name. Here's what the choice we get to make. According to Proverbs 22 verse 1, you and I get to choose whether that name is good. By the choices that we make. We don't get to choose the name, but we choose by the things we do each and every day whether that name is good. And a good name is of more value than riches, silver and gold. Now here's the amazing thing. No one named God. He names himself. He reveals himself by these names. And you know what? God's name is always good. Always. So we can take that and we can apply that in our lives and we can consider the significance of a name. My name, your name, it carries a reputation. If I mentioned your name in your neighborhood, what would the neighbors say about that name? If you mentioned my name or we mentioned our names in a workplace, what would individuals say about that name? God's name carries with it uh, the significance, the weight of who he is. It's a recognition of his identity. And when you consider the names of God, what we're saying, we're saying something about his essence, who he is. Because this is how he has chosen to reveal himself. And so the name of the Lord is a way of speaking of God's person. And it stands for all of his perfections, the manifest perfections. We call those his attributes, those, the essence of who he is. His power, his faithfulness, his covenant keeping, all those aspects. Everything that God has revealed about himself reveals his perfect name. The essence, the weight of who he is. His reputation. Praise God, his name is a perfect name. In fact, it's such a significant name, you and I need to be really careful how we use that name. In fact, remember what he said about the third commandment. Watch your words, right? Don't take his name in vain. Just considering the weight of that name and all that it entails, all that it encompasses, everything that, that's comprised in that name. When God introduces himself in the Old Testament and to different people who walked by faith, it wasn't always an all-encompassing name. He revealed something about himself, whether he was a powerful God or a covenant-keeping God. He would reveal that in those different names but when he wise man writes here in verse 10 when he writes this the name of the lord he's not just talking about a specific name but he's talking about the essence completely of all that he is what's wrapped up in that name now over the next couple weeks we'll look at some specific names because those names are significant and they tell us more about the essence of god we've already learned god is omnipotent but when we study that he's el ohim it says Many things about who God is and what he's like, including his power. It's the name that's the first name that we find of God in Genesis chapter 1. And and we'll look at that next week. And and we'll consider the God who created all things, the sheer power to create those things. And, and, you know, as new creations, we should look to that God that has that power to work his work in our lives, just as he did in creation. When you consider his name is Jehovah, that's a name he revealed himself to Abraham, who walked by faith and had to believe he's a covenant-keeping God, that what God says he will do, you and I have to walk the same way. We have to walk by faith, faith like Father Abraham. It's how we're made righteous when we walk by faith. Do you believe God will keep his word? Do you walk by faith trusting in his word? See, that's the invitation. He speaks so that you and I can believe what he says because he's not going to change. He's going to be the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. When we read the word Adonai, it's a reminder that there's a God who's in control of all things. Moms, I know you want to pull your hair out sometimes. Is God in control of everything? Right? I mean, look at the Middle East. Is God in control of all things? Yes, he is. And you and I can be at peace and know his name. 
And all of those individual names, they, they com- together, the weight of them reveals this perfect name of the Lord. His weight, who he is and what he's like. Now Solomon says this name provides something for you and something for me. If I know he's the creator, if I know he's the one who makes a covenant with me, if I know he's the one that's in control of all things, do I know the substance, the weight of who he is? Because if I do, I'll realize that, and then it will change the way I walk in my daily walk. Now look what he says in Proverbs 18, verse 10. The name of the Lord, that weight of all that he is, it is to you and to me, it is a strong tower. Now, why would God make, get, why would we have this illustration of the essence of God, the name of who he is, the, the weight of who he is? Why would he be a strong tower, this perfect name? Well, if you know anything about towers and you know anything about the, the topography of the land there in Israel and also not just in Israel, but any city. And if you know anything about building and architecture and when you go to a city, oftentimes in the center of the city, there would be uh, a large tower. They'd have also towers around the city as well, watchtowers, right, where men would stand on the towers and they would look out and give a warning to those in the city if they saw the enemy threatening or on their way into the city. And when you go to a tower, it's not just that this name is a name of perfection. This name is a name of perspective. It allows you to gain perspective on what is happening around you. For example, if you go uh, to a large tower, what's the largest tower skyscraper you've ever been in anybody ever grown up in a skyscraper i've had the privilege years ago to go up to new york city and go up in the empire state building and look out and see down the the two towers before they collapsed i mean way up there just to gain perspective as you look way down there and you look and you see and you stop and you think man each of these buildings these smaller skyscrapers around us they house i mean about like the size of a city within them it's fascinating and then you can just see so far out out almost feels like you can see all the way to massachusetts right and you see all that's around you even new jersey yeah down there you see all that and you gain perspective on what's going on around you it's fascinating when you go to these uh, skyscrapers. You can go down to Charlotte and, and go into the Bank of America building, the Duke Energy building. You can go in those buildings and you go in there and it's fascinating. They have elevators that only go to particular floors because who wants to go in there and hit 76 buttons, right? I mean, just ding, ding. I mean, just to go to the top. So they have, you know, for the first 20 floors, you, you know, you go in this set of elevators. And the next 20, you go in this set of elevators. And the next 20 or the penthouse, all the way up to the top, they have their own special. And if you get on that one, you know, it's zoom, you know, it's moonshot. You're going way up there really fast. It's fascinating. And then you get up there and you feel like the building's swaying. But you gain perspective on what's happening around you. Here's the problem in our walk of faith. Too many of us get on the ground floor and don't go up. Too many of us are satisfied, I got Jesus, I'm good to go. And yet we'll never learn how he's the fullness of all those names in the Old Testament and the significance of those names. And how even in the New Testament, there's pictures of him that that are related to the Old Testament. And, And yet they walked by faith and they heard that name and they called on that name. And you and I should call on that name in the same way. Sometimes we ought to go and, and go into that tower and, and, and say, you know what? Man, I'm in need. I need God to provide. 
I ain't call on Jesus. Yes, you should. But, but do you know what the, the father of faith did, Abraham? You press 22. Genesis 22. And you go up and you open your Bible. And you see a father who takes his son in obedience to what God told him to do. Go sacrifice your son. And he takes and he says, we're going over to that yonder mountain. Servants, we'll be right back. The lad and I are going over there. We're going to worship and in three days we're going to come back. Well, Father, I see the wood. I see the fire. Where's the sacrifice? And it's in that moment that Abraham, the father of faith, reminds us and shows us he is Jehovah Jireh. Not just the God who provides. He's the God who will see to it. Anybody need to know that today? A God to see to it? To supply? He does it for himself, for his glory, not just for you and for me. That's what Abraham revealed. He will provide for himself the lamb, the ram that would be caught in the thicket. And yet I need to lead my children and lead them in faith when they're in need to realize, hey, I don't know how God's going to provide, but he'll see to it. It's who he is. He saw to it with his son Jesus, that spotless lamb that was offered for you and for me. You need peace tonight? I mean, is there a need for peace in your life today? And, and Then call on the God who is peace. Jehovah Shalom. I mean, not just that we need peace with Him, we need peace in life. But see, the amazing thing is, Jesus is the Prince of Peace, right? He's, he's like Melchizedek, right? The King of Salem, the King of Shalom. And, and so I read about this, and, and I learn about these names of God, and I just hit the buttons. I just go up a little higher, go up a little higher. And it enables me to gain perspective when I take those circumstances and situations and bring them into the light of who God is and what God is able to do. And I choose, like Father Abraham did, to walk by faith, resting, trusting. This is the name of God. It's his essence, it's who he is, it's what he's able to do. And I trust in him. Now here's the amazing thing. Solomon says, the name of the Lord is the strong tower. What do righteous ones do? They run to it, not from it. Some people hear the name of God and they run away from it. The righteous ones run to it. And you say, well, Pastor Chris, there's none righteous, right? No, not one. Isn't that what the scripture, anyone righteous in this room? Not in ourselves. Our righteousness, Isaiah would say, is what? It's filthy rags. Your best before God doesn't standard. Doesn't match up. Our righteousness is an alien righteousness. It comes from outside of us. That righteousness is by faith. We believe in the righteousness Jesus has provided for us. And anyone who's a righteous one understands this. I need to walk by faith. And when God reveals himself by a particular name or reveals something about his essence, who he is, I walk by faith and I don't just walk. I run to him. I choose to believe I'm running to you today, Lord, resting in you, trusting in you. That's why we study, we read, we hear God speak, we hear him introduce himself in the Old Testament. Paul would say those stories are written for you and for me. It isn't just record of sacred history, though it is that, but it's even more, as he would tell the Corinthians. All that's written so that we will not do like they did in some instances. I mean, some of them failed to really believe he was who he said he was. And even though they saw miraculous things, the righteous one, Solomon says, we know his identity, we know what he is, and we run to that tower, and from that tower we can look out and gain a lot of perspective. 
And I'm telling you, if you need perspective today, you need to run to the Lord. Because it's not going to make sense apart from Him. It's chaos in this world in which we live. And I need to run to the one who is cosmos, who created the cosmos, and brings order out of disorder. That's our God. Now, it's not just a name for perspective. It's also a name, as he says, the righteous run to it and they are safe. In other words, when you run to this tower, there is protection. You know, they built the tower, oftentimes the tallest one in the center of the city. It's kind of like the medieval concept of a keep that they would have, a place that you would run to. It's the place of last refuge. It's a place where if something's been overrun in the city, from there, there was a place that you would find security and safety. And from there, you know, when you see a great castle or if you go overseas to Europe, the, the whole landscape is just dotted with these castles and, and the keeps. And that's where you ran. It was a place to, to fight your, your battle. For us, it's the name of the Lord. He, he's the only sure protection you and I have. We have to run to him. And it's his name, his essence, the weight of all that he is, all that we find that comprises him and his attributes, his, tie, uh, his covenants, all that he's done, his faithfulness demonstrated all throughout the pages of Scripture. I need to know his name because I need to know, you know what, there's a God who's in control. He's the one who made this whole creation. I'm one of his new creations. Amen. And as a new creation, as Paul would say, praise God, he's going to work everything in my life. And I've got those words over in Romans 8, 28, who remind me that all those who love God and who are called according to his purposes, he works all things together for good. That means even the bad things in life, that's the blessing in the broken pieces that Sherwin and Jimmy sang. Can I find in that what I'm going through right now, no, my, hand, my life is in his hands. It's the safest place to be. So, so safe. What would Jesus say about that protection? Well, you see, when, when you're one of his sheep, we're inscribed on the palm of the Father's hand. Our identity is with him. We're in his hand. That means he said nothing, no one can pluck us out of that hand. Praise God today. No matter what enemy is out there. Since Satan, the world, death, it cannot pluck us out of his hand. And anything that you and I experience in life, this is always a wonderful picture, I need to be reminded it filters through those fingers before it comes to me. You know, David, when he considered just the magnitude of who God is, his omniscience, his omnipresence, his omnipotence over in Psalm 139, when he reflected on that, and he thought about it. He says, you know, no matter where I go, it's your hands that encompass me. It's your hands that cover me. It's your hands that shelter me. It's your hands that are... And you stop and you think about all those circumstances and just seeing how God is using his hands in your life. By the way, those are even the circumstances we don't like. Can you, can you rest today that he is working in your, in your life? And your life is in his hands. Man, they're good hands, y'all. Amen? And they're glorious hands. And he's going to work things for his glory. He's faithful. See, that's why we study his attributes. We study the covenants that he makes. He's a covenant-keeping God to know that he's faithful, that he's true. Now, here's the danger. Watch, pay care attention now, because that's just one verse. How is it related to the next one? Here's the danger, that we won't run to him when we should. Or... That we should, we will trust in something other than him. 
Because, see, this is a contrast. In, in the Hebrew, uh, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run to it and safe. The rich man's wealth is his strong city. I mean, he's trying to get us to see the contrast here. you got a choice. And like a high wall is his own esteem. The picture is, listen, is of, of a righteous of the righteous one who runs to the Lord and of the rich man who trusts in his own mammon, his own ability, his own esteem, what he thinks of himself. I got this. I can handle it. I got it under control. Ever said that? Hey, students, that's hubris. Sometimes we, we were students once too, right, mom and dad? But sometimes as young students, we think, man, I got this. I got this. And that's hubris. The contrast is, listen, other than getting perspective and getting up high and getting an understanding of what's going on around you and finding a sure place of protection, sometimes the rich man trusts in his wealth, his ability, what he possesses, his own esteem. I, these are my walls. This is my city. And the picture is he has his own little kingdom, his own little fiefdom. He reigns and rules over it because he won't acknowledge the one who reigns and rules over all. And yet what happens, sadly, is according to verse 12, and this is why verse 12 is tied into it, that before destruction, the heart of man is what? Haughty, lifted up. You see, instead of going up the elevator to God's floor and being and dwelling and resting in him and trusting in his name, his essence, all that he is, the, the rich man, he's haughty in himself. And there's the danger. Because what comes after pride? There's a proverb. Pride goes before destruction, the fall. Before destruction, the heart of man is haughty. And see, the other option is this, that you you bend the knee and, and you humble yourself and you recognize he's God, I'm not. He's in control, I'm not. I need him. I can't do this in my own strength. I need to put my faith in the one who's revealed himself by all these attributes, revealed himself by all these names. And, and, and instead, I choose humility. And the amazing thing is when you and I get a little lower, God raises us up. The circumstances in life sometimes bring us a little lower, don't they? And God allows that in your life and my life for a reason. So we'll stop looking at ourselves, our abilities, and we'll rest and trust in Him. In the margin of your Bible, you should write God or mammon, because really those are the two options here. Right? Either I will rest and trust in God, or I'm going to trust in my mammon, my wealth, my abilities. Now you say, well, Pastor Chris, this is not a problem for me because I'm not rich. Well, newsflash. I know fake news hasn't told you this. But if you own a car today, you, are, you have more wealth than 92% of the people in the world. So congratulations, you're very wealthy. We don't realize how blessed we are in America. We're very blessed. The danger is that you and I would trust in our own mammon, our own abilities, rather than trust in the Lord. Run to Him. We won't do it. And that's a dangerous position for all of us. And see, pride can enter all of our hearts in any moment. I mean, that phrase, I got this. I got this. I, I mean, I know sometimes we're shepherding those little ones, and I got it, I got it. All right, go ahead. And when they fall, what do we do? We help them get back up, amen? Now, try this next time. Let's look to the Lord. Moms and dads, that's our awesome opportunity for parenting today, right? 
is not just when they experience crisis and trials, but when you and I experience crisis and trials, that we find ways to run to Him, point them to Him, remind them of Him. Because He's the, the same yesterday and forevermore. Faithful for every generation, immutable, unchanging. Why wouldn't I point them to Him? When you come to the New Testament, there were rich people who came to Jesus. Rich men. One of them, the rich young ruler, right? He came to Jesus. Mark 10 reminds us of his interchange with Jesus. And uh, good teacher. Why, what must I do to enter the kingdom of heaven? Well, no one is good but God. Are you telling me that? Well, do these, keep these commandments. Oh, I've done all those ever since my youth. Well, good. Go sell all that you have and then come follow me. Well, can't do that. I can't reject my possessions and, all, and exchange all of that for a cross to follow you. And he declined and went away. We know in Luke's gospel, in Luke chapter 12, verses 16 through 21, there was a rich man. He was just doing very well at business. And he sat back and he wrestled with, what will I do next? I mean, my business is booming. I'm buying all these fields and, and, and I'm hiring more laborers for the field. Look at my harvest. I mean, my harvest is so plentiful. I'm just having bigger, bigger profits. It's huge, right? Well, I'll just build some bigger silos. And then he sat back and said, soul, you have done very well. But he didn't know that night his soul would be required of him. He had a short-term perspective. He needed a long-term, eternal perspective, right? About who really was in control and who was the one who was blessing him. And all those blessings weren't for him. It's a mistake in life oftentimes. We get caught up in this world and all that it seemingly offers us. And we have this appearance that we got it, we're in control, we're safe, we're secure in our current. We can get comfortable, right? And we stop looking to the Lord and resting in Him. Even the rich man of Lazarus, that, that parable that Jesus told, the rich man who fared sumptuously, he had everything he needed, and, and he had servants serving him, all the food he wanted. Lazarus, who was just a poor beggar, the dogs licked his wounds. He, he would take whatever scraps he could get. But they both fell asleep one night and died. The rich man woke up in hell, in fire. Lazarus woke up. In Abraham's bosom. Abraham, Father Abraham, please, can you, can you give me something to quench my thirst? No, the gulf is too great between us. No man can cross it. What? Then go tell my brothers. Go warn them. Tell them. No, even if someone rises from the dead, they won't believe. They have Moses and the prophets. The word is enough. Why is the word enough? Because how does faith come? Faith comes by hearing. Hearing what? The Word of God. You see, I read the Word. I hear God speak. God tells me who He is. He invites us to choose to believe. This is who He is, unchanging. He's always the same. And I can take Him at His Word, and I can say, God, I choose to believe. This is what you say about yourself. This is what you're able to do. And I apply that in my life. I run to Him. Listen, this week when you had a crisis, did you run to God? Did you run to the Lord? You say, how do we run to Him? He's in heaven. In prayer, right? Did you call on the name of the Lord? Because he'll withhold no good thing to those who trust him. That's what the psalmist says. But, but if in our pride, I got this, I, I didn't have to ask him for nothing. Beloved, that's a bad path to start going down. And remember, it's Solomon in his wisdom who said, listen, trust in the Lord with all 
your heart. Lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him and he'll do what? He'll direct your path. That path will be the right path with God always. A righteous path. That's where the shepherd leads us, Psalm 23. He leads us in paths of righteousness for his namesake. And so, if, you know, if I've heard God speak, then to apply this this week, then, then God, I want to run to you. And the best thing you do is fall out of your bed and get on your knees and run to him every morning. And cry out to him. There's a man named Augustus Toplady, and he lived in England. Of course, if you go to England, there's castles, there's strong towers all over England. But one day he was just walking and a terrible thunderstorm came up and he was scurrying to find shelter. And everywhere he went, he couldn't find any place to to stop from uh, the terrible storm getting rained on. And it was a terrible thunderstorm and all the lightning. And so he saw some cliffs and so he decided to run under a cleft of the rocks. And he found just enough space for him to, to, to stand there under that rock and find refuge. And as the rain poured down around him, he stopped for a moment. The lightning uh, flashed, the thunder boomed, and, and he, he just stopped for a moment and he meditated on the Lord. And here's what he wrote. Rock of ages, cleft for me. Let me hide myself in thee. Let the water and the blood from thy wounded side which flowed be of sin the double cure. Save from wrath and make me pure. You see, that's a great hymn of the faith. To find safety, to find security. We sang one today, a mighty fortress is our God. Am I running to him? Are you running to him this morning? Are are you trusting in his name, his essence, who he is? He's not going to change. May God give us faith. May God just break our humility. That we would just rend our hearts and we would say, God, forgive us. When we think we got this, we ain't got it. (laughs) We need him. But only safety and security, protection and perspective is found with the perfect one, the perfect name. But you have to run to him. And I want to give you a chance to do that this morning. That's, That's why we have a time at the end of the service. It's an opportunity for you to take a step of faith and say, I heard God speak. And this is the instant, this is the situation I'm going through in life. You don't necessarily have to pray with the pastor. If you just want to pray to the Lord, you can get on the altar and say, God, you know what, what your spirit was saying to me. This is what I need to do. And I just want to respond today in obedience to the spirit speaking to my heart. Maybe you're burdened today and and you need to find refuge. You don't have refuge for your soul. And you realize today, I need to put my faith and trust in Jesus the one who gave himself for me. And I need to trust in him as my Lord and as my Savior because I've never done that. In obedience, I need to follow him in believer's baptism and testify that I believe he died, was buried, and rose again, and my faith rests in him. He's now my Savior and my Lord. I'm walking in a newness of life, running to him each and every day. If you do need prayer, there's pastors who are here. Deacons will be here as well. Deacons, brides will pray with you because we all need to run to him this morning. And so I want to invite you to do that. Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed and the altar is open for any who need to make a decision today. And coming, you're making one of three decisions. You're saying, God, Jesus, I need you to be my Savior and Lord. Lord, I've not been running to you like I should. I've been trusting in myself, my abilities, my own mammon. Forgive me, I want to trust in you. Or maybe I need to join lock arms with this church family and help them run to others and help others to run uh, to you.
for safety and security. It's only found in the name of Jesus.